0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? And they replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. and Do not prevent them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you. Whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And then he embraced them and blessed them placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Lord Jesus Christ. The temptation as we hear the reading set before us today, especially this strongly worded gospel text, is to say, oh yeah, this is the reading where they say you can't get a divorce. And when we reduce it to that all-too-easy soundbite, we miss the point. In fact, this incident between Jesus and the Pharisees doesn't turn on a single question of the law, it turns on the issue of what exactly is the point. Note how the Pharisees come to Jesus. On the one hand, on the one hand, they seem to be asking a question about the law and the will of God, but they're not. They're asking a question about the disordered sense of freedom that has been all too common in this world since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, and which is very common in North America. And that is, freedom is about being able to do what I want to do. And that's not the point of freedom, and that's not the reality of freedom. And so note what they ask. Is it permitted to get a divorce? In other words, can I do that? And Jesus, pausing and looking at them, begins attempting to recast their way of thinking. What did Moses command you? In other words, what did Moses ask of you? What did Moses say? Not that you could do, but that you should do. You see the difference? Christian freedom, real freedom, true human freedom, doesn't begin first with not with what do I want to do? or what can i do or what i am what am i allowed to do it begins with the question of what should i do what must i do and real freedom is the freedom to be able to choose to do what i should do what i must do and so jesus asked that question what should you what did moses say you should do And again, note the answer. Moses gave us permission to. Note how there's this refusal to engage the question of what does God ask of me? Because that would be somebody telling me what I need to do. And there's this instinct in us that says, don't limit my freedom. How dare you tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me what to do? And Jesus is sitting there, well, basically, on the word of God. Um, but note the attitude. Note the attitude out of which this question is even being asked in the first place. It's not about what does God want. It's not about what is right or what is good. It's about what am I allowed to do? We grow up with this attitude. The human heart raises itself in this attitude. And because of that, Jesus has to say very directly to the Pharisees, you've missed the point. Because following the law of the Lord is not about what you're allowed to do. It's about doing what you know you should do. And because that's your attitude, you don't even understand marriage. And you don't understand the beauty of the family. And so as Jesus answers them now, he's less interested in simply saying yes or no. Is it okay to get a divorce? Because that misses the point. Jesus says, let's talk about what the family is and what marriage is. Because when everything is defined in terms of what do I get to do and what am I allowed to do, I structure everything in a way that pleases me and that may not be pleasing to God at all. And even something as near and as beautiful as the family, becomes distorted. And so Jesus says, if you're going to approach marriage as what you're allowed to do with it, if you're going to approach your family and your home life as just something you get to do to please yourself, you will never appreciate its full greatness, its full beauty, its real dignity. So the answer that Jesus gives is not first a prohibition on something. It's a statement of the real greatness of the family, a statement of the real God-given greatness of marriage. So note what Jesus says. The issue is not what did Moses allow you to do. The issue is what did God establish in the first place? And let's look at what God intends by this. Because if we don't get that right, we won't get a single thing about it correct afterwards. This is vitally important for us today. It's common to hear things like, well, we'll get married, and if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. It's common to hear things like, marriage is just a social contract. In other words, it's about what we agree to do. And Jesus says, it's neither of those things. Marriage is not a social contract. Marriage is not something of convenience. It has a dignity given to it by God. And he speaks about the very origin of man and woman as being fundamentally ordered to the family, fundamentally ordered to marriage. That reading from Genesis where God out of the dust of the earth creates all of the different animals and none of them is a suitable companion, Note how God brings Adam to realize nothing that is merely of this world will ever be a suitable partner for him. Not a career. Not an accomplishment. Not an experience. Not a job. Not a pet. None of those things rise to the level of the woman, and that there is a fundamental ordering of man and woman toward one another, which is about not their convenience, but the fulfillment of their living. Everything sounds different when you put it that way, doesn't it? Note how exquisitely beautiful that is. And as Adam and Eve are joined together, not simply by their own mutual choice, but by God having brought them together, ordered their relationship to one another, we see that their coming together is part of the will of God for their lives. how far we've fallen socially that we don't even speak or think that way anymore. But note the Lord. This is not about what you get to do. This is about the will of God for you and for this world. Human life has a fundamental order and structure to it that involves the family. And hidden within this And this is why Jesus is so insistent. It's because in the order of the history of the universe, from the creative activity of God, there is first God's love for us that gives rise to creation. And then, as man and woman are made, there is the love of the human heart, for God. And after that, the very first human love is man for woman and woman for man, husband for wife and wife for husband. And every other form of human love is the child of that. Today, we like to say no love is stronger than the love of a mother for her child. God says something different. No love should be stronger than that of husband for wife and wife for husband. Because that is the love that produces children. Motherhood is the fruit of marriage. Marriage comes first. Fatherhood is the fruit. Of marriage. Marriage comes first. We live in a world that wants to separate these realities from marriage and yet we see in the very creative activity of God these things have their origin in marriage. Note how great a thing marriage is. It gives rise to every other form of human love, the love of brothers and sisters for each other, the love of children for their parents, all follows the love of Adam for Eve and Eve for Adam, the love of husband for wife and wife for husband. Marriage is ordered to the bringing of all other forms of human love into the world. It is ordered to the bringing of life into the world. And note how marvelously great that is, the dignity of marriage, the dignity of being a husband, the dignity, the greatness of being a wife. God could have done things in any other way, but it pleased him to act in this way. And speaking this way, then, Jesus turns to those Pharisees and says, but you want to make everything else more important than your marriage. That's why you're asking me this question. When things become difficult, you want to leave and end it. When someone else becomes more attractive to your eye, you want to be free to pursue it. When the demands of work and your ambition become great and swell your heart, you want to turn your back on your household for the sake of these things. When your sense of your own life is so narrowly lonely, that your plans for yourself include no room for anyone else. Marriage seems an inconvenience, a restriction, a limit. And so what happens? You value these lesser loves over that great love, which is the foundation of all others. This is why we say... The essence of society in the end reduces to the family, and the role of the family. Because from the family comes all the good of social order. From the family comes all the good of learning how to love rightly and love well. And when the family is in crisis, it follows very quickly. Society becomes a crisis. Society finds itself lost. And we wander, as scripture says, like sheep without a shepherd, lost in a disordered sense of freedom which reduces everything, including my relationships, to what do I want and what do I get out of it? And not to that very beautiful question of what does God bring into the world through it? Note how much Jesus, who worked his first public miracle on the occasion of a wedding, values your family, values your marriage. And this notion that no human being must separate what God has joined means no human concern should overcome the bond of union, the bond of love, between husband for wife and wife for husband. That's why at a Catholic wedding, we have those wonderful questions, though that promise that the husband and wife say to one another. Looking each other in the eye, I love you, and I promise to be faithful to you. In good times and in... Good, you know it. In health and in. Okay, we're doing well. In wealth and in. In happiness and in. Note how that sounds and how important it is. I promise to be true to you when it's good, when it's fulfilling. When I am thrilled to be with you, I promise to be yours. And also when it's miserable, and when it's difficult, and when it costs me, I'll be with you. Because any shallow knucklehead can say, I'm with you when it's easy. Honey, as long as things feel so good, I am yours. I will not be any place else. And how many relationships have ended badly because that was the attitude with which they were entered. As long as it feels good, as long as it's convenient, as long as it's easy, all oh, I am so yours. But the minute it costs me, I'm going to find somebody else. And I'm going to say to her, as long as it's good, here I am. Note the promise of marriage. When it costs me to be with you, I will be with you. And that's when you know my love is real. When you are sick and it's exhausting to care for you, I'm going to bring it. And that's when you know. How real it is. But if it's about what do I get to do, as soon as it costs me, I'm gone. This is why Jesus speaks the way he does. He wants to bring the Pharisees and those who are listening around to recognizing this is so great. This is so marvelous. This is so wonderful in the eye of God himself that it's not something you look to set aside. You know, this is not to dismiss the tragic reality of there are some relationships that have been so unhealthy they can't continue. But it's also to say we make that far too easy sometimes in our own thinking and socially, and that the good of marriage is a greater good than we give it credit for. The good of the family is a deeper, mightier, and richer thing than we pay attention to. Jesus says, if you want the right answer to the question, start there. And you might find that you suddenly have a different question that you want to ask. The issue not, might not be, how do I go about ending it if I don't like it? The issue might be, what do I need to do to strengthen it? What do I need to do to sustain it? What do I need to do to bring it back to life? What a different set of questions those are. But note where they begin, that there's something here that is a fundamentally wonderful good. At first glance, this reading is a statement about what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. But Jesus is saying a lot more than that. He's saying your family is a greater thing than you give it credit for. Your marriage is a wonderful thing. Give it credit. Give it attention and value it. And make sure that in the loves of your heart, there is first your love for God, And then your love for your wife, your love for your husband, and all other loves will order themselves correctly. Jesus begins that way. What does God desire of marriage? Begin with your love of God. And what you'll see is out of that love of God comes this great gift. The gift by which God has given every other form of love to the world is the family. And your family is one of the ways that Almighty God continues to give that great gift to the world. How absolutely beautiful. We need to pray much for our families, for those families that are healthy and strong, that they remain so. For those families that are struggled and have so much that pulls them apart and fragments them that they have the strength to endure, for those who bear the wounds of the brokenness of the family, that healing might be theirs. But most especially, that first in the entire church, but then also in the world around us, we come to a greater sense and a greater appreciation of the unspeakably beautiful dignity of the family. It's long been said that one of the classic differences between the religious vocation, which Father Pete and I have been called to, and the vocation of marriage, which so many of you have been called to, is this. The religious, with his vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, is a sign of the not yet of the kingdom. It's on the way, but it's not here yet. And we need to be preparing ourselves for that. But marriage? is the opposite. It's a sign of the already. That there's a real aspect of the joy, the abundance, and the goodness of the kingdom that is here right now. And that just as scripture describes the union of Almighty God with his people in the fullness of salvation as a wedding banquet, the life of the family lived well is that great sign that God continues to give to the world, that the promise is certain, the promise is sure, and it's already here in a real joy, and a real goodness, and a real fullness. What a great gift that is to the world and to the church. And For those of you who are married, whether this is your anniversary day or not, happy anniversary because the life that you have shared together is worth celebrating, worth appreciating, worth valuing. Not just once a year on a certain date, but indeed every day. Because that's the kind of love that can say, in riches and in poverty, in health and in sickness, in happiness and in sadness. And when we are together in the sadness, the poverty and the sickness, that togetherness and the happiness, the wealth, the goodness, oh, that becomes even so much better, doesn't it? Because it's founded on something substantial, good, and true. And that is well worth valuing, well worth defending. And so we are just left with the question of Jesus for us. The issue is not, what do I want to do with my family? The issue is how in my family do we begin to receive this great grace that God has already given it and made it for? And how is it that the love in this world might become fuller, better, and richer because of my marriage, because of my family? And when we Catholics live that well, oh, this world will be very different. Amen.